Okay, good afternoon, everybody. Um, so I want to first of all thank uh, Ellie and Svee and Jonathan and everybody involved in this Lunch and Learn program. Really a fantastic initiative. Um, in the few minutes we have, I just want to share a couple of stories. So I want to start with a, uh, a, a great story about a famous scientist, Sir Isaac Newton. Sir Isaac Newton, who I'm sure everyone's heard of, was a world famous scientist in the 1700s. Uh, he was not Jewish, but my understanding is that he was a, uh, a believer in God. And one day, uh, Sir Isaac Newton had a friend over who was a fellow meteor scientist, but his friend uh, who we had over was uh, a self-proclaimed atheist. And they walked into Sir Isaac Newton's study, and Sir Isaac Newton showed his friend, the atheist, this model that he had of the universe you know the planets the earth the sun the moon all the stars but everything rotating in sequence and this atheist friend of sir isaac newton turned to him and said sir isaac that's really incredible how did you create that unbelievable model sir isaac newton said i didn't create it and uh he said it was an accident and his friend said sir isaac that's ridiculous so he says let me tell you what happened so sir isaac newton tells his atheist friend that one day there was a dog chasing a cat. They ran through a, uh, a, a yard of spare parts, all these metal junkyards, spare parts. And as the dog and cat, as the dog was chasing the cat, all these spare parts shot up into the air and randomly landed in this sequence. And he had this model universe uh, that randomly happened. Of course, his atheist friend, Sir Isaac Newton's atheist friend, Sir, Sir Isaac, that's completely impossible. This thing has unbelievable intelligence and brilliance somebody had to create this model universe and you know the punchline Sir Isaac Newton turned to his atheist friend the scientist and said my friend if you think this model had plan and purpose and had to have a creator what about the actual universe what about the real universe how can that be an accident I want to talk just for a minute there's thousands of examples of this but I just selected a couple of quick ones the human brain let's start with the human eyeball human eyeball I just jotted down a couple of facts the human eyeball, and I'm not a uh, doctor by any stretch, the human eyeball is composed of two over two million working parts and over one million nerve fibers connecting each eyeball to the brain. In the history of modern medicine, the human eyeball has never been recreated. The brain, human brain and memory. Our memory is powered by over a trillion nerves. Here's something really interesting. Studies show that after viewing 2,500 images for only three seconds, a person can recall with over 92% accuracy having seen that image. Unbelievable. Let me tell you one other interesting thing. If you take a deck of 52 cards, deck of 52 playing cards, and you throw the deck on the floor randomly, it's gonna ring, it's gonna land in a certain sequence, right? Then pick up those cards, record the sequence, pick up the cards, mix them, and basically spend the rest of your life throwing that same deck of cards on the floor. The probability of recreating randomly the sequence of random 52 cards is in the trillions. Let's basically say it's impossible. So my friends, if you can't recreate the sequence of 52 cards, how can a human eyeball, the human brain, the human digestive system, the human body, nature, how can this be an accident? How can there not be plan and purpose behind it? Why am I bringing this up today? In this week's uh, Torah portion, the Torah Parsha, we're told a famous, famous verse, which says in Hebrew, We are commanded by God to create a dwelling place, a mikdash, 
and that God says he will then dwell in that in that in that uh, dwelling place, so to speak. So how do we create, you know, in the times of the, the base of Mikdash, the times of the temple, the times of the Mishkan and the Midbar, the tabernacle, obviously we were talking about building a physical edifice where God would then dwell. But in today's day and age where we don't have the temple, we don't have the base of Mikdash, how do we go about doing that? There are many answers to this, but I'd like to suggest that a good starting point is finding and looking for godliness in the world. If we recognize that a human eyeball can't possibly be recreated, the human eyeball has such plan and purpose and intelligence, the human brain, the human body. If we recognize that, that's the first step to bringing godliness into our lives. I had a grandfather who passed away in 2001 at the age of 101. He was a Holocaust survivor. He lost three children in the Holocaust, lost his wife, his family, parents. And until the age of 101, he used to wake up at 4 o'clock every morning to learn Gemara, to, to study Talmud. And I remember in those years, I wasn't quite uh, inspired yet. And I got up very early one Sunday morning when he was spending the weekend with us in my parents' summer house in the mountains. And I came down at 6.30 one morning. Of course, I was going to the golf course while he was sitting there studying his Gemara, studying his Talmud. And he, and he calls me over as I'm about to go to the golf course. My grandfather says to me, look, look in the back. Look what you see. And the most amazing thing, it impacted me literally for the rest of my life. My grandfather was took took a look up from his you know Gemara from his Talmud, and he saw a row of deer walking in the backyard, and he showed me how these deer, three or four or five deer, they were walking in a single file straight line, and his comment to me was how brilliant these deer are because they're trained, their natural instinct is to avoid hunters, so they walk in a single file line so that if the if a hunter they encounter a hunter, only the first deer is kind of in the line of fire, and the rest of them are all lined up behind. Them. To me, that would have just been an interesting fact in nature. I probably wouldn't even have noticed. My grandfather said to me, how wondrous is HaKadosh Baruch Hu? How wondrous is God that he created creatures with this type of brilliance? That, to me, is an example of somebody who literally was taking day-to-day -day life and fulfilling this obligation of the Asuli Mikdash creating a dwelling place where God can rest, looking for godliness in the world. If we just look at nature, you don't have to look very far. Look at nature, look at our own bodies, look at science, look at the world, look at everything around us. We'll see godliness every single place we turn. Let me conclude uh, with an incredible muscle, incredible parable by a safer book I love to learn. It's called Chobos Halbalos, and it's actually in the Hatama, in the introduction to Shara Bechina. A very popular uh, chapter that people study in Chobos Halbalos these days is Shara Bitachon, which is a gate of trust. I actually like to go way back to the beginning, Shara Bahina, which is basically the study of the world and looking at the brilliance of the world and how it's so clear that there's a creator with plan and purpose to this. And he has a great parable there, which speaks about a person who's very kind-hearted. And this person raises a child from birth and he, he gives him all the finest, you know, the finest home, the finest food, the finest clothes, and he raises this child, right? And then there's another person who's a prisoner. And what happens is this same person who raised this child, he now goes and ransoms or, or uh, frees this prisoner, redeems him from prison. And he doesn't give him all the finest clothes, the finest dwelling, the finest food. He actually puts him in a little bit of a, a shack in his backyard and gives him the minimum of food and the minimum of clothes and takes care of him. Yet this prisoner had such incredible hakarsatot, such incredible appreciation for this person who took him out of prison so much more so than the child he raised with the finest clothes and the finest dwelling and the finest everything. And what's the obvious difference, right? And we can link this maybe to our own lives. The obvious difference is 
You know, in our own lives, we take everything for granted. I'll certainly speak for myself. Uh, you know, the fact that we wake up in the morning, we're breathing. The fact that we wake up in the morning and our hearts are beating, is that not the greatest miracle in the world? Yet because we do that day in, day out, we become accustomed to it. Like the child who's raised by, the, by this person. On the other hand, the prisoner who, you know, a week earlier was in prison and got redeemed from prison, all of a sudden he has a roof over his head, he has a little food, he has incredible appreciation. So I'd like to suggest that one way to fulfill this obligation in this week's Parsha, this week's Torah portion, of the Asuli Mikdash, the Shachanti Besokham, to build a dwelling place for a Kaddish Baruch Hu, for God to rest inside of it, it starts just by looking at the most basic things in, in the world, the most basic things in nature. Like I said earlier, looking at the brilliance of the human eyeball, the human brain, the human body, the human digestive system, and it becomes absolutely undeniable that this plan and purpose is a creator. The more we live our lives with that recognition, the more we are bringing elokos, godliness, into our lives, and we're fulfilling the obligation of the asuli mikdash v'shachanti v'shosofa. Thank you very much. Oh. Okay.